Whenever you're ready. Hi, I'm Sam Reed, and this is Liner Notes. At the time, like in my uh, relationship and just in my life, you realize too that every song is a love song. Every song. Every song is a love song. A hate song is a love song. It's. <laughs> It is. It's all love, you know. And so as I started um, writing the music, um, no matter what came out, uh, I knew that for me, and kind of just even realizing this in this moment, I've had a great, really clear, reflective, awesome week. So this is a good way to... (laughs) Thank you, schedule. Yes. But I'm kind of just realizing right now, like I said, I was dealing with um, depression and trying to get through some things in my life, but the music came from the place within me that is love. So no matter what came out, this is love because this is what love is like for me and love is not one thing and you know what I mean? And I hate you so much right now, as Khalees would say. But (laughs) even that comes from your place of love because you can only feel that strongly, truly, from that place, in my opinion, for me. Thank you for tuning in to Liner Notes. On this episode, we have singer-songwriter Sam Reed. We get to dive deep into her last solo album, This Is Love. Plus, you'll hear all about how she's the front woman for some of Richmond's dopest bands like No BS Brass, Dance Candy, and the Photosynthesizers. You might also catch her playing around Richmond with her band, the Sam Reed Syndicate. We get to talking about the importance of creating with friends on this episode of Liner Notes with Sam Reed. Before we get started, let me explain why there's food on the table. Yes. Um, <laughs> so we have partnered with two local companies because mm-hmm. we're trying to like tie all of Richmond together. Yeah, the sounds, absolutely. the sights, the tastes. I don't mm-hmm. really want to touch smell or touch. You know what I mean? Like I want to mm-hmm. leave those alone. But um, mm-hmm. for the taste of it, uh, we partnered with Honestly Smoked Jerky, uh, which mm-hmm. is actually Alex's company, but it's uh-huh. like all natural beef with none of the crazy stuff that you all awesome. want in there. So it's really good. You, you do the thing better than I do. Go ahead, sell it. I don't like them, but it's all domestic grass-fed beef, no preservatives, it's smoked on real hickory wood. Uh-huh. Bam. Bam. It's not a put in a dehydrator with no artificial smoke like most companies. Bam. And two VCU graduates on it. Awesome. Um, and then we have Handy Woman Creations Sweet Shop who oh, made these wonderful like chocolate dip pretzels and uh-huh. cake pops and all of the wonderful lovelies. So uh, mm-hmm. I know it's tempting when things sit here in front of you. So, But feel free to grab that it's here for you. We got some for you on the way home, too. Um, yeah. Weakness, but, my weakness. I know. And you know how hard it is for me to sit here being like, I got to do three, three interviews today, and I can't eat a cake pop each time. Mm, I mean, I could. You'd be like Ant, he had what, like three of them? Ant did, well, Ant had, <laughs> Ant had all the jerky is what Ant had. Ant I had, love that guy. <laughs> yes. Like he was giving us all the sounds of like. Mm. Yeah, he was gross. Get ready for some ASMR. So, <laughs> he, he was like, "This is ASMR right now." <laughs> yeah, Ant was funny. Oh, uh, Ant did like a whole commercial for Honestly Smoked Jerky. I believe like, it. He held it up. It was, what was the slogan? He was like, he was like, "Honestly Smoked." Oh hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it was great. He was like, right now. <laughs> Hey, it was funny. Yeah, that's awesome. That's my guy. When did when did you meet Aunt? How did you come across Aunt? I met Aunt um, at church. Oh, I did. Nice. <laughs> Believe it or not, years and years ago. All, I mean, in all honesty, and it sounds totally crazy as I say it, but almost twenty years ago. Dang. Yeah. N- 15. That makes sense, though. Cause, 15 years ago. Because the Lion King came 20 out, like, years. what, like 25 years ago? So. <laughs> You're like, what? 20 years ago is a lot mm-hmm. closer to now than I thought. I was thinking yeah. mid-90s, or late, early 90s. Now, almost, almost like 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, my, his mother is a member of the church that my dad pastors. So when my dad first started at that church, at that church in particular, that's when I met him. Richmond's so small. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Richmond's so, what is it about like 
church and musicians that kind of is like a breeding ground for well, rich Well, I mean, like music, the music, man. There is nothing like gospel music. There isn't, and a lot of the musicians in Richmond, that's where it's not necessarily their, it's not their formal training, like if they went to the music school at uh, VCU or wherever, but like, I feel like it's part of uh, where you learn how to feel music. <laughs> I do. Because you can tell the difference, not that one is, is better than the other, but there is sometimes a different feel and not sometimes always a different feel and emotion behind like a, a musician that's played at church. Because what's like the training for, you know, a church band member? Like, is it just you kind of working with other artists and getting better? Or is it more theory based? Like what's... It's just you working with other people and getting better. It's just like um, working musicians that are like, where what church can I play at on Sunday? Like, you know what I mean? It is. Um, so it's 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 really just a just a working together and a, a blend together um, of people. Um, it's probably one of the most important for musicians that do play in church. It is their most important time of experiencing like some sort of unity. I feel like musically, and it makes it easier when you get out into the world and you're in bands and you know, stuff like that. So like, I mean, Devon, Devon still comes back and plays. He plays at my um, grandma's church. That's amazing. <laughs> so, you know. And he's traveling all over the world. Exactly, but when he's at home, he's at church. I, when I told, when I was three, I told my mom I wanted to be a singer. I knew I could sing. <laughs> I did. I knew I could sing. Um, and I told her that I wanted to be a singer. I started singing at church, like when I was five years old, in the choir. And um, it's funny. I don't know what could have happened, like, um, <laughs> mentally or spiritually but at three years old I was like I want to be a singer and then as I got older I was like I am definitely afraid to get up here and sing and it was like and I was that way until I was like in my early 20s how did you get over that I just did it just did it mm -hmm. nothing else you can do at what point did you start getting over the fear and start just singing in front of people I was singing in um, a choir, a traveling choir called Indu Season, um, and we traveled around. And the director of the choir, I sang in his choirs. He used to do something called um, Henrico County Wide Choir when I was younger. So I sang in his choirs from the time I was a kid up until... Um, I was, I don't want to say too old, but I got um, pregnant very young. So when that happened, kind of backed away a little bit. I was about 19 and then got back into his, um, another choir that he did. And, and he knew I could sing and he was just going to have me do it anyway. He knew I could sing and he knew that he could count on me to, um, I was going to be there and I knew all the parts. So if somebody else wasn't going to be there, so you're going to sing soprano today, you're going to sing alto today, you're going to sing tenor today, it's whatever. And so he really helped me. Um, Jake Holmes is his name. And through him, I met Mark Ingraham, who I still do a lot of things with, like live stuff musically. Um, yeah, that's that's when. <laughs> so you start start singing again. You're, you're singing in church when and how did you decide, like, I think I want to write my own music? I had been writing my own music. Um, it just never, uh, I'd been writing my own music, but wasn't necessarily in the position to um, record and hadn't really thought about it because I'm a person that writes, 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 you know, all mm -hmm. the time anyway. I get up and I write in my journal still, like, um, but I, from that choir experience, experience, it was funny, 
I um, connected with some people that decided I was going to be this huge, uh, like, neo-soul thing, you know, um, but it didn't feel good to me. It, so we recorded all this music, and I went back, and I had, um, it was stuff that I had written that we took, and we put, they made it super jazzy, which is fine, but not necessarily what I wanted to do, um, and so we recorded that stuff, and I hated it, and left the project right there where it was. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so that that was the first time recording some of my music, and I want to say, I always have to think about how old my kids are. That was, um, John was 14, so that was about... That was about 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. 14, 14, 15 years ago. Dang. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> so, okay, so you leave a project that you know, like, this is not the sound that I'm trying to have. Mm-hmm. This is not what you're trying to do, which is good because then you can at least, like, scratch off a whole, like, mm-hmm. you know, you can narrow your search down a little bit. So you go from that. Where do you go from there musically? Like, you know, what music are you trying to create and who are you linking with? I had no idea what um, kind of music I wanted to create. I just knew what I didn't want. Um, what, and I, I love Neo Soul. I love um, Erica Badu. I love Jill Scott. I love, you know, and that's where things were then. So that's what they were trying to create. But I didn't want to be... I just knew that I didn't want to be in a situation where somebody was trying to, um, someone else was trying to create who I was, you know, from song to song or even like, you know, um, they'd say things to me like, take the rasp out of your voice when you sing that. Don't, you know what I mean? Just stuff like that. I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want to be in a situation where someone else was trying to make the decisions for me. Um... I uh, started singing in this band uh, called The Band Belief and um, started writing a lot more, a lot more, because now I have musicians that I meet with every week, you know, and one I still work with him, uh, Carol Ellis, when I do shows, he still plays, he plays bass now, then he was keyboard player, Um, but started working with him and started writing more, and then... um, uh, what did I do next? Oh, I did, um, can I say 105.7? I can say them, right? It's fine. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, they had a band. No, actually, no, don't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> we don't mention anybody else. <laughs> this is strictly, strictly here RVA. <laughs> don't whisper nothing. There's no logos in here. Ain't nobody getting no love. I, no. See, I swear, I swear. <laughs> Right? It actually started with my mom. Like, I went grocery shopping with her and was starting to see all of the alter, all the options that are out there. I just was like, yo, like, I can make all kinds of pretzels. I would come up with a bunch of cravings and then start selling them at work. Like, I spent a lot of time, like, making sure every detail is, like, perfect. I just knew whatever was going to come out was going to be real because, like, I sort of, I, I live and breathe this, like, handling the creations. It was really important for us to be able to provide something for our vegan community, gluten-free community, our sugar-free community. The pretzels are like pretzel ladies. The cake pops are lady cakes. So just kind of trying to pour into that feminine energy and that you know, I can have kids and still own my own business. Like, I can do it all. They had this grand idea because Dee Dee Renee, who now, like, works with Tom Joyner or something like that down in Houston, um, she was a radio personality with them, and she could sing. So they decided this whole thing, that they were going to build an all-girl band around her. So I auditioned, and I ended up being in um, uh, the Heart and Soul Band. Is I think it's I think that's what we were called. It was for the um, 
the stone soul. Maybe we would call the stone, I don't know what we were called, but <laughs> the stone soul festival, which trying to put together this all band, which was hilarious to me because um, there were still um, men in the band because it was hard to find um, all female musicians. It just was, um, I think that, I mean, I could talk about that for days and days, so I won't right now. But, <laughs> and there, I met a woman um, named Free, and uh, she is a violin player, and she had, like, uh, done college tours and played with, like, Common and stuff like that, and she knew of a band that was looking for background vocalists. That's what I was doing in the Heart and Soul Band, just singing background vocals. But she told me that her friend, um, Maurice Jackson, from photosynthesizers needed some background vocals and I went and sang for them and met them and that ended up being a really great fit It's him and um, Joshua Bryant and that for the next uh, few years of my life was probably it was like school for music writing and just um, brainstorming and um, being able to uh, work as a team with someone on my ideas and um, understanding how I wanted my music to sound or, you know, um, just getting together every week to create what was in all of our minds. Um, Mike Medic, um, Maurice Barcodes is what um, a lot of people would know him as. Josh, um, Dr. Data, uh, who else? Wade per year, um, Nick, I can't think of Nick's last name, it's been so long. Um, played the drums, but it was just, it was really one of the most fantastic experiences that I've had in my life and I learned so much and I also learned that, going back to what you were saying, like what type of music or who I wanted to work with, I learned that that can change from song to song and it's fine. You know, like genres aren't real. They're not. So, <laughs> you know, um, if you want, it, and not saying that because other people feel differently, but for me, um, in order to be authentic in my music, I couldn't say, oh, I'm a neo-soul artist. Oh, I'm this artist. I'm that. You know what? I couldn't do that. Sure. So. You want to have like a dance party? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Ooh. Uh, hey, 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 hey. Hey. You like a dance move? You like a dance move? Hey. Oh, we're synchronized, bro. Look at that. Oh, we're out of here. We tricked you. All right, so now you're 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 in it. You're doing music. You've been to school. Yes, you've been it to was school. School. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the experience of putting together "This Is Love" and and what was that like? Because that's one of that's one of my favorite albums. Like I play it so often. <laughs> By the way, it's available on Bandcamp. You can go buy it. It's cool. Get it right. 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 Booyah. <laughs> Where's my money for that? It is. <laughs> right. I will make the check out too. <laughs> um, that was uh, a wonderful, a wonderful experience. Thanks to DJ Harrison, it was a wonderful experience. Um, I, I met. Look, I have to, like, think about his, like, his uh, stage name, his DJ. You know what I mean? Because I'm <laughs> like, friend. yes, let me put it out there, yeah. yes. But we met um, super random. My sister was getting married, and my cousin, CJ Boiso, who um, also plays uh, at church with DJ Harrison, DJ Boiso, he... Um, was singing in my sister's wedding as well. And he plays some keys. And my sister, I believe she's thinking, well, he can just play for both of them and they can sing or whatever. And um, he was like, no. So that day, the day of the wedding, he said, my friend Chocolate is going to come. I don't know if y'all know. 
that's another thing that if you're from Chester, that's where he is called chocolate. This guy knows. So, <laughs> my friend Chocolate is going to come and he's going to play the songs um, while we sing. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. Day of the wedding, we had never met, hadn't gone over, you know, anything with him. We went um, downstairs in the fellowship hall and ran through the songs and Chocolate was DJ Harrison. So that's how I met him very randomly. And then um, ended up singing in a band called Beast Wellington um, and showed up to rehearsal and there he was, he was the drummer. So forever we're like, we're gonna make music, we're gonna make music, we're gonna make music and recorded one song together before This Is Love called um, Hypnotize. That's on, it's on SoundCloud. Um, and it was probably one of the most fun times I had uh, coming up with an idea, you know, mm -hmm. for a song. But we finally got to a point where we were able to make some music. He was just sending me tracks. I, strangely enough, um, was dealing with... Um, I was dealing with depression and trying to, you know, just take my mind off of it. So I was writing and writing and writing and he was sending me stuff. So I tell people all the time, I said, I, I, I just kind of sat down and wrote a bunch of music with my friend um, trying to make myself feel better. <laughs> like that's, that's what it is. Um, but it was... Uh, it's hard to even uh, describe, you know, what it was like um, because of the, the, you know, how I was feeling at the time. And then the, um, it was winter. Also, another very, like, sad blah kind of time. No <laughs> yeah. It was like my sunshine, man. And I don't, I don't know what it what it was about the state that I was in or the the time of year or that time in the, the universe or whatever, but everything was a song, every single thing, everything. I'd like take my kids to school and look and be like, oh, the clouds are pretty. And then it's like, every time the breeze whispers me, you know, and it's like a whole song. So I don't, it was easy. I guess that's what I could say. Wow. Uh, did it did it help? Like that catharsis of writing kind of help you out? No. No? That happens sometimes. <laughs> no, because then, and I think that um, no matter what state of mind you're in when you're creating, um, every artist probably deals with this, then people have to hear it. <laughs> yeah, that's a big thing. That's it a is. <laughs> and then people have to hear it, and you feel so exposed you know and then knowing how you felt in the moments when you wrote it and then hearing other people's interpretations which music should absolutely be when you give it to the people it is open for interpretation um, you know there are songs that have helped me through things you know that may have affected someone else in an opposite way you know it's it's open for interpretation but that's really hard. That's really hard to get over. That's not what I meant when I said that. What are you talking about? I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want to like interview. It got really weird. Got really weird. Um, so, which doesn't, uh, it may have taken away from the project for me a little, and I hope you're not like disappointed to hear that because sometimes people are. Um, it took away from it for me, um, for me a little bit, like uh, getting things out um, was never truly meant uh, to get it out and give it to the world. You know what I mean? And it, at, at the same time, it was. But I don't. You know what I mean? It, it was just a very. It was a tough thing to to let go of. Sure. So I'm gonna have this baby, and then I'm gonna give it away. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's hard. Yeah. It's especially if you put yourself really on to the album because then you really mm -hmm. are showing people who you are. Yeah. And we're all, you know, to an extent yeah. or to no extent, we're all scared of being judged. <laughs> exactly. 
Even though we say we don't care what other people think, when it really comes down to it, I think we all kind of do. I picked up a theme or, or, or a reoccurring thread that you had in some of your songs of this, this idea that uh, love is reciprocal. Like uh -huh. it's 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 yeah. very much like I think you say a couple times like you got to do all the things you did to get me to keep me love ain't free. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this, this idea. What what kind of led you to kind of have this this theme throughout and, and that empowerment movement of of just calling it like it is and trying to have people both put into a relationship. And, I. Um used to always say, I don't write love songs, I hate love songs. I don't write, you know, I used to say that all the time, like, mm -mm, I'm not really interested in writing love songs. And that was during the time I would say that I was with photosynthesizers, even though um, we were writing so much and doing so much. It wasn't them telling me love song sucks. It, it was me, like, you know, I don't want to do love songs. It's just not what I do. And also, like, we, we, got so deep into our subject matter like um, you know addiction we wrote a song when um, there was the oil spill in the you know what I mean like just stuff like that so um, but I would say I don't write love songs I just don't I don't I don't like to um, hear I don't usually gravitate to songs that um, To, I'm trying to find a way to put it to where it doesn't offend anyone. I don't like to feel weak at any time. Um, I don't, uh, I at that point in my life was not someone that was going to beg for forgiveness or get, you know what I mean? So it, then I got to a point where um, at the time, like in my uh, relationship and just in my life, you realize too that every song is a love song. Every song, every song is a love song. A hate song is a love song. It's, <laughs> it is, it's all love, you know? And so as I started um, writing the music, um, no matter what came out, uh, I knew that for me, and kind of just even realizing this in this moment, I've had a great, really, clear reflective awesome week so this is a good way to <laughs> thank you schedule yes <laughs> but i'm kind of just realizing right now like i said i was dealing with um depression and trying to get through some things in my life but the music came from the place within me that is love so no matter what came out this is love because this is what love is like for me and love is not one thing and you know what i mean and I hate you so much right now, as Khalees would say. But <laughs> you know, even that comes from your place of love because you can only feel that strongly, truly, from that place, in my opinion, for me. For me. Maybe not for everybody else. Can I say that you have one of the great um, Richmond legend shows that I always hear about? Like, you know, people are like, oh, were you at the house party on this street in 03? And I was like, nah, I went at that. But yeah, you have one of the mm -hmm. legend shows with, really? uh, I believe it was your album release party mm -hmm. with Kings and Butcher Brown at the yeah. Camel. Uh, that's one that's like kind of lived past its days. Like, what was that night like? That night, I wish I could have enjoyed it more. I wish I could have enjoyed it more because I still tell people, um, anyone, like I just recently told my girlfriend, I was like, you never saw Kings. You really missed out. Like you <laughs> really missed out because it was amazing. So I wish that I could have enjoyed this show more because you're in like that mode of, okay, now I have to get up here and perform and I have to, you know, what am I going to sound like today? And it's, um, it's a little worrisome. That's that's how I felt on that day. It was. Um, but, like, to have them there meant the world to me. There are two songs 
on the album that they came in and played, um, Butcher Brown. Um, it was awesome to have them there because not only are they, everybody knows how fantastic Butcher Brown is. Everyone knows. You can't, you can't not know, like everyone knows. But um, I consider those guys my friends. And I think that that's really cool and it makes me feel cooler. <laughs> you're cool. You know, I cool. that I can like hit those guys up and, and they would uh, answer or show up for me. You know what I mean? Um, so no, that was awesome. I, but I wish that I could have felt like I do when I go see Butcher Brown now. Like I went to go see Butcher Brown. It was the first thing that I got to see like in this weird pandemic plague into the world what's happening yeah. um, like that I got out to go and uh, see you know they were the first band and I just stood there and cried so I did not get to do that at my album release party because you have to be on I had um, uh, a, uh, someone style me which was fantastic because she made me these great clothes and everything like that and uh, styled me um, but she had me in these shoes that were like I'm not even exaggerating the heel on this boot was ridiculous. So that was like I had to kind of focus, you know, the entire night. Those shoes didn't stay on. Yeah, you gotta you gotta they sing correctly, and they, perform <laughs> and stand up straight. Yes. And just also um, being kind of overcome with emotion because any artist, anytime, any show, you don't know if people are coming. Yeah. <laughs> You don't. You don't know if people are going to show up for you. Um, even a lot of times, you know, like you'll have ticket sales or, or whatever. The bulk of those ticket sales happen like last minute. So you've spent a month, a month and a half like, are they coming? I don't know. Are they even going to show up? Like, So I was super overwhelmed that people even uh, came in and showed up in that way for me. And I thought that that was really beautiful. It was a good night. It was a good night. I feel like my answers are so long, man. I'm sorry. Luckily for you, <laughs> luckily for you, there's no time limit. I'm Alexander and this is Garrett. I'm we're, Garrett. We're honestly smoked. We found out we lived across the street from each other in college, and we were always cooking stuff in the backyard. Fin jerky came into play, and I had a recipe that I had messed around with. We went in, you know, that top spice, you can see it is bold. There's a lot of minced garlic, there's black pepper, there's smoked paprika, there's cayenne, there's garlic. There's all these great, great things in there that you just won't know. It's so textural and so vibrant, and then you bite into it, and it's like, boom, and it just lights you up. And not to be cliche, but we, we made our part with love. We started this because we both ate a lot of beef jerky. We'd go to the grocery store. And we still do. And we, of course we still do. Shout out Three Notch, Brew. Three Notch Brewing, Collab House and Scott's Edition, our Who Smoked All the Porter recipe that was a companion beer to the Mild Child Jerky. And we were gonna try to take that and rummage that into an awesome little holiday flavor for y'all. You type in here RVA, we haven't made the promo code yet, but it will be live by the time this is. Yeah, you are in the future and this promo code is now live. Exactly. So, so if you use promo, car, promo here, code here RVA, you will get 25% off your entire order. The show you're talking about, that was the one at Mainline with Butcher Brown? Yeah. That you, uh, so mm -hmm. I saw you there that night. Well, no, no. Didn't I see that? that yes, I did see you there. Okay. This, see, I was there. Though, <laughs> 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 you got to make sure the wife knows that you went where you said you were going. You know what I mean? I, I, did, I, did, I did see him there. And I, you know what? <laughs> I am talking about, they did a show at Brambley. Before uh, that, okay, they did a, a show at Brambley, but it was just before like things got shut down and no one was doing shows. So it was like, maybe we can do it. And they were like, mm, no, we can't do it. But right before they said, mm, no, we can't do it, Butcher Brown did a show. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which was great. It was great. So you seem to be like, you don't seem to be like, you are a person that works with your friends when you make yeah. music. Mm -hmm. Um and one of your, from what I can tell, good long friends is Calvin Presents. Yes. And I, I kind of wanted to bring up, <laughs> yes, <laughs> shout out to Calvin Presents. I always say it's my son, Calvin. And I love him like I love my kids. He had an amazing uh, <laughs> setup going at the dark room with mm -hmm. the Roots Jams on Monday mm -hmm. nights. I love those. He's awesome. Mm -hmm. But you guys, in the middle of the world breaking with the pandemic and 
all the George Floyd protests and everything that was going mm -hmm. on in Richmond, you guys released a song called Here that really yeah. kind of spoke, not necessarily to that moment, but all moments. Um, what was the, the motivation behind kind of making that record and, and what did it feel like to you? Calvin Brown is a genius. <laughs> I say that about him regularly because he is. I've never seen um, a mind that works like that um, musically and even having been able to experience him as a friend and as the person that he is and, you know, go through things with him and talk through things. Like, I've never... Um, met someone like Calvin and so in all honesty, I'm saying it here right now Calvin called me and I sang this song. It was good to go I did what he asked me to do and he knows I will always do what he asked me to do because um, I trust him in that way musically like it was very Little that I did he wrote the song there were some parts. I was like, well, can we say this instead of this and he's like, yeah um, but I really just appreciate completely um, how he sheds the weight of the world and it's musically every single time and he will put all of it into a song. He spent a lot of time um, out at Marcus Davis Peter Circle and um, things like that. So I think during that time he even, he lived right over there, like very close to the area. So he would tell me like, you know, did you hear the sirens last night? That type of thing. And strangely enough, I heard them in Blackwell, <laughs> like because it was that crazy out there, you know? Um, but it was like he was in the middle of it um, the entire time. And um, he took all of that and put it into the music. Like, but that's, that's how he deals, and it's one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen. So I showed up and sang the song. That's, <laughs> that's what I did. But I, I totally felt the same feelings as him, and I think that's why I work with my friends, um, because I know we're generally on the same page. You know, even when we're not on the same page, when it comes to music and expression, um, authentic expression, like we are on the same page. So I can't, like the last few times that we've gone to sing the song, like I've had to do the thing where they say, put your tongue at the roof of your mouth because it makes me cry to think about um, last year, man. Like it does, it does. So, that was Calvin. I just sang. I feel like a lot of people call you to sing uh, at, at different events and with their different groups and things. And, and I sometimes like um, at like Friday Cheers with Butcher Brown, they were there. They pulled you up on stage. And, yeah, um, at a really weird time. I was really out of it. I was like, I am a lit, guys. I got, <laughs> I got a text message. I'm like down enjoying the show. And I look at my phone and I have a text from Morgan. <laughs> and he's like, you don't come up here. I was like, I am lit. He texted you from the yes, stage? Yes, he did. So I didn't know that that was about to happen. Oh, I probably bought the first ticket that was sold for that show. <laughs> so I didn't even know. I didn't. Hmm. Well, you said, well, that's, I didn't, I didn't know that that was super buddies, random. Man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, it's very random. You came ready to go. <laughs> Um, <laughs> how many like different ensembles or groups can we find you as a part of right now? All of them? That's what it feels like. Um, are you singing the Here IVA theme song for liner notes? Is that what's, are you in all the bands? Let me know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's produced by Just Plain, or by Anthem Symbol, so you know. Let me know. I got I you. But, um, uh, First, of course, I have to say No BS, uh, No BS Brass Band, my homies, my brothers. That's been a most excellent experience. I want to say it's been three years now. You guys have new think, music three, coming four. out. Yes, and that has been a lot of fun because I've been able to do some writing um, 
over a gigantic brass ensemble, and I'd never done that before, so that's cool. How is that different yeah. from writing over, you know, a standard uh, band or something like that? It's not. It's um, it's just it's really just a different sound, and I say it's not different um, because I've just been so fortunate to be in these situations since that that very first situation and I think um I needed to have that first situation where they were like we're gonna make her the next Erica Badu and she's gonna wear her head wraps and do whatever <laughs> neo soul sensation you probably got some nice head wraps out of it I don't know <laughs> right. but um I think I needed that experience to learn how I didn't want to do things. And so now in every writing experience that I have or every band experience that I have, I'm with friends. So it's kind of like the same. It's, um, I can have a very, very big voice. So it's fun. I almost feel like um, we have this song, we just... um, shot a video for it uh, Monday where we have this song called Vibrate Higher and I feel like I'm on Broadway I feel (laughs) just because you know it's that big singing it's very um, theatrical in a way and um, also just working with them period I tell people all the time I said no BS is the best pep rally you'll ever go to the best pep rally you ever go to for sure and i was a cheerleader for almost 10 years so i'm on it like (laughs) y'all just upgraded (laughs) yeah so it's it was a good experience but honestly it was uh, it's always just great uh being around them and, and working with friends again you know and um the when I started recording outside of that neo soul uh situation, the first place I recorded was at Minimum Wage Studios with Lance. So it's like it's come back around, you know, it's like a full circle thing. So it's super cool. Well, if it's come back full circle, that means you gotta start another rotation, right? I always child, sometimes I'm like, How many rotations are you gonna have going at once, Samantha? <laughs> this is ridiculous. But <laughs> <laughs> so you got all the rings that are going on. Yes. <laughs> You're super hula hooping. <laughs> what what goals or aspirations do you have for your your music going forward? Like things that you want to create or sounds? I really want to um I also sing with uh a band called Dance Candy. We do like a lot of private parties, weddings. Um Every Thursday night, we completely melted people's faces for years, and then it was really hard for them to go work the next day. But <laughs> sorry, people. Sorry, guys. Sorry, you had such a good time. Your faces were melted. <laughs> but, um, I have done a lot of like uh, weddings and uh, private events and stuff like that with them. I want to do less of that and I have been doing less of that so that I can um kind of move into my own space and move into these own sounds um which are uh, I would love to do like meditation and um chanting and things like that but in my way like um with a a, a producer who produces Hip hop, R and B, what you know, whatever type of music, I would definitely love to get into doing meditation and um, singing, but also um, speaking more. I hope that doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. You might hear less of Sam Reed singing and more of Sam Reed <laughs> speaking on projects because I feel like um, it is important to hear the words. (laughs) I feel the same way. You know, and and we can get caught up on a melody uh, that someone is singing. And I have um, really learned so much and uh, 
found so much clarity. I'd like to be able to sing people through some things, but I think that we sometimes just like need to talk to Auntie Child. Like sometimes you just need, Auntie need to sit down and tell you some things, you know. I, if you are someone who has worked with me musically before, especially like the guys in my bands and, and stuff like that, I don't necessarily, I'm not even going to say that, I don't enjoy being the focus of a thing. I don't. Um, Sorry to have you so, on here. No, it's fine. <laughs> Thank you for giving me a platform to tell people that. <laughs> But I'll <laughs> don't 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 look at her. Nobody. Don't look at me. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The whole time. No. It's um. Thank you for letting me be my authentic self here. But um, no, I um. I really love to showcase other people musically, even if I am a part of it. Like I just hit Kanika up yesterday. I have a um. I'm doing a set for the night market on November 13th. And I was like, hey, you want to come sing some songs? Because I don't, I don't, you know, are you coming to see me? Are you? Not, I don't care. Like, but if you're coming to see me, how about you see my friend too? How would you check her out? I think she's awesome, you know? You're super like, humble. That's, I, you know, and I guess that's what it would be called. It's, I'm just like Sam. Um, so, and even in speaking more um, and chanting, which can be repetitive. It's going to be like in English. I'm not going to appropriate anybody's culture. That's why I'm trying to figure out how to do it the right way in a way that is um, authentic to me. Um, but let's showcase this producer. Let's showcase this DJ. Let's showcase this musician. And I can be a part of that, but I don't want to be what that is for someone you know does that make yeah. any sense that's kind of what i'm doing here with this mm -hmm. it's like i'm creating this to help like yeah. shine, but like i don't really want to do it like, <laughs> they were yelling at me because i didn't even point a camera at myself for like most of these interviews and they're like you have to be. i was like i don't um going back to like people missing the the point or or the lyrics mm -hmm. of some music mm -hmm. do you have a song that you loved growing up and then realized later on like what it really was Everybody's got that experience, I feel like. I'm sure of it. Okay. I know yours was OPP. So. Yeah. Child. Yeah. Yeah, four-year-old singing, you down with OPP. Oh, it's all good. I have a funny, I worked in daycare, like one of my first jobs, and I was with the after-school kids, and they're still very young, like elementary, and I'm telling this little girl to stop singing Fantasy by Ludacris. Like, baby, you... I have no idea. <laughs> Don't sing that. She was like, I sing it all the time. <laughs> like, the kids have no idea. They have no idea. But so, um, you know, and I, I can separate things, you know, um, because we're also in kind of a different world now. But, man, BBD. When I listen to a lot of their music today, I'm like, what? Are you serious backstage, underage, adolescent? How you doing? Yo. Do so, Me Baby is this song? So, you know. I was in the airport one day and that came on. And I was like, what the? Are you serious? I couldn't, like, we just didn't even. And I honestly don't even know if our parents, our older people really paid attention to right. that in the way that they do now. You know, like, yo, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> James, she was only 17, yeah. but she was freaky. Right? So that was his justification. Yeah. She was so wrong. Was so funky. <laughs> exactly, you know? And also, like, times have changed. I yeah. think we have, um, I don't, this, I don't, we have, more 
respect or at least not all of us some of us do but we're trying to acknowledge and have a little bit more respect and consideration for um the underdeveloped mind and the development of children i think yeah. you know what i mean i don't think that that was something that was thought about um in creativity for a long time because it's kind of like especially with women it's like she has breasts so she's you know old enough now to be taken advantage of and that sucks you know yeah so yes bbd y'all hurt me y'all hurt me deep nah, i've had i've had so much fun and unfortunately uh i'm more in love with you now than i was before <laughs> Because we've met, you know, had small conversations out, but this is a, a good full-length conversation. Oh, good. Um, I don't know if this counts as a date or not, but it went what? well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you gotta give her gifts. Oh yeah, oh, and, oh. I, and, and I brought you a gift. Nobody else what? did. No, I'm joking. no, we got you something to take home. We just want to say thank you. Take home Hell some sweets, yeah. uh, some honestly smoked jerky, some handy woman creations, here are VA mugs, some stickers. Uh, just we wanted to say thank you for your time mm -hmm. for coming out and we really appreciate it and and allowing us to kind of like let you tell your story like that's what we want to do we find so much fun in it and and we love your music so thank you thank you so much guys It was super cool having Sam Reed in the studio. Thank you so much. We hope you all enjoy it for energy. We also would like to thank the crew on hand that day. Gordy Michael, Alex, Ian, Elijah, and Ryan. Please support the artist Sam Reed by listening to her music and buying her merch. You can go to our website, hrva.com, for any of the links to support her. Also, you can watch the visuals of this episode there. Speaking of support, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave a review for this podcast. Shoutouts to our sponsors, Handy Woman Creation and Honestly Smoke Craft Jerky. Please support your local artists. Bye!